Happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening to today's edition of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. It is Thanksgiving, but we still have some fresh, fun conversation with you. We have Ben Stevens, host of the Locked On Big Ten podcast, as well as co-host of the Friday edition of the Locked On College Football podcast for you in today's episode. We're going to talk a lot about the Big Ten, kind of shoot around the conference and even beyond. So sit back, relax, grab an extra plate of mashed potatoes and gravy, and let's get started with today's edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. New podcast every day, even on a holiday like today. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Today, we are going to have some fun talking about the Big Ten. We're going to talk about some of the major storylines that have been developing throughout this conference throughout this season, including some directly related to Penn State. And that's why we bring on Ben Stevens, host of the Locked On Big Ten podcast. Also doing a really fantastic job of building his own reputation, building a brand for himself as a fun and knowledgeable Big Ten person to be following on Twitter. And I want to make sure you are following him on Twitter at Ben Scott Stevens. Of course, that will be listed in the show notes for this episode on whatever podcasting app you may be using, which brings me to my next point. As always, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss a single episode, even if it's on a holiday, even if you're hitting the road and traveling, going over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house for some Thanksgiving dinner. Hopefully you're all having a great Thanksgiving today, staying safe, of course, as best as possible, but enjoying the festivities, enjoying the reason for the season, I guess as you can say, but I want to make sure I thank you guys for subscribing, reading and reviewing. It really does help with the growth of this podcast across the various podcasting mediums. So whatever app you're using, we definitely appreciate any support and feedback you guys can lend us uh, as we move forward. And of course, you can also reach out on all of our social media accounts. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch using the username LockedOnNittany. So I got all that stuff out of the way. Let's go ahead and dive right into our fun conversation for the rest of this episode with Ben Stevens from Locked On Big Ten. All right, I am pleased to welcome to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a member of the Locked On podcast family covering Big Ten. He is Big Ten Ben. We call him Ben Stevens. How's it going, Ben? I'm good, Kevin. I'm glad to be here. I think this might be my debut on all of the Big Ten podcasts across the Locked On Podcast Network. You guys have been on the Locked On Big Ten show a bunch, but specifically down to each program's own podcast, this might be my debut across the entire Locked On Podcast family, but that just goes to show the strength of this network. So I'm glad to be here, glad to be speaking with you right now. And of course, is the host of Locked On Big Ten. And in the spirit of Thanksgiving, because first of all, this episode is dropping on Thanksgiving, I want to thank you, Ben, for extending the olive branch to me and the rest of the Big Ten guys on the network. When it looked like we weren't going to have a season this year, you, mm-hmm. uh, you brought us into the fold, kept us involved a little bit. Uh, that was much appreciative. And of course, now we have a season. We're kind of at the midway point. And you know, Penn State's certainly still looking for its first win of the season. But I got to ask you, I mean, now that you've seen half a season of Big Ten football, you know, give or take a couple games here and there, what has been your overall takeaway from what we've seen from this conference so far? It's been the Big Ten and the upside down, really, right? We have Michigan and Penn State both struggling. The Nittany Lions winless, obviously. Michigan 
below 500. And then you have teams that you might have not expected to be at the top of the table right now with Indiana and Northwestern, especially those Wildcats, the Fighting Reese Davises, leading the Big Ten West, sitting alone up there and seeming to be in pole position to be the Big Ten West champions after going 3-9 and nine a season ago. Of course, the one consistent that we always have is Ohio State. They are unbeaten still, despite barely surviving against Indiana this past weekend. But it's really been just the flip of how we expected some of these season to take place. And as we discussed on the Locked On Big Ten show, Penn State seemed primed before for maybe some of the opt-outs and obviously losing Journey Brown to be that second-place contender in the Big Ten East at the heels of Ohio State, possibly trying to make an impact there. And I always kind of thought Michigan was going to have a tough year just based on the schedule. I didn't think the product on the field would look this bad as it has. But then I didn't really expect Northwestern on the other side of things to be where they are. But that just goes to show how great of a head coach Pat Fitzgerald is and the program that he has built. And that is kind of more of the consistency we're used to seeing out of Evanston, Illinois, than the aberration that last season was so it's been the flip of the tables in certain ports but also having Ohio State still leading the way kind of makes sense after all this weird year has been yeah I know uh, having worked with you a number of times leading up to the start of the season and once the season got started I know we've talked about a couple different Big Ten storylines and I think everybody in and probably the other hosts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well kind of all came to a consensus that Ohio State was still the team to beat in the Big Ten it was just a matter of was it going to be anybody else that could challenge them and I don't know what the other guys said, but obviously I felt pretty high about Penn State going into the season. And like we said, this season has not gone at all, according to the script for Penn State. Uh, we've covered that at various degrees here on the Locked on Nittany Lions podcast. But what is your take on Penn State? Are they as bad as an 0-5 record would typically indicate? What, what are you seeing? Are there any positives that you can draw on what you've seen from Penn State at all? It, it's so hard to say, are they as bad as 0-5? Because I still think they have a lot of talent. And where they fall in some of the rankings in terms of offense and offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency across the landscape of college football, the numbers don't indicate that they would be a winless team in Big Ten competition. But at a certain point, it's like if they haven't won a game, something's not working. So, yeah, they probably are that bad. It's just a weird thing to see this offense take the regression that it has. Obviously, losing Journey Brown was a huge hit that Penn State did not expect. Losing Noah Kane and that opener against Indiana was a huge hit. This running back room could ill afford to lose, and that obviously did not go the way of the Nittany Lions either. But to see the regression in Sean Clifford and the ability that we thought if he took that next step, Penn State could be viable as a second option to Ohio State this year. That obviously hasn't happened. Will Levis seemed like he was going to provide some of that spark. Now he's getting benched for the guy that he benched, and now it seems like everything is kind of all over the place. And Kirk Shiraka was the big splash hire across the Big Ten Conference this past offseason. Obviously plucking him out of the Twin Cities and bringing him to State College seemed to be a great move for James Franklin trying to shake up some things offensively and the RPO scheme that worked so well for Minnesota last year hasn't translated to this Penn State team in 2020 not exactly sure why as we have discussed Kevin the offseason and being weird and the stops and starts and all of that might explain a struggle early on or two but to be at this point of the Big Ten season to have this much game time and experience under your belt and really seem to not make too many adjustments to try to fix whatever is happening that doesn't make a whole lot of sense so are they as bad as an 0-5 record in indicates the numbers would say no but if you see the product they put on the field I guess you would probably have to say yeah there's a reason they haven't won a Big Ten game this year 
Yeah, obviously, uh, they get off to slow starts on offense and defense. They dig a big hole that they do try to climb out of in the second half. The problem is it's just too deep. <laughs> so you know, there's, only, there's only so far you can fall behind before you realistically are going to blow a game uh, before it even gets to halftime. So that's been, the, I think, the story of the season for Penn State. Real quick, uh, because you just mentioned Kirk Shiraka. Uh, obviously, I thought that was a big hire. And I still, I'm not ready to say that that is a failed hire at this point in time because Things are weird this year. I'm going to give them a right. slight pass for a number of things. But again, I've told you before, I, you know, we're midway through the season, five games into the season for Penn State. I'm starting to move on from some of those excuses I was using early on in the season. Uh, but basically, I'm still giving a little bit of a pass for the, the down season that we're seeing at Penn State and for some other schools. But I do want to mention, uh, because uh, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, I know you just got done recording uh, the, the next edition of Locked on Big Ten. So I don't know if you saw it or not, but the big news out of Minnesota, Rashad Bateman has opted back yep. out, uh, given uh, his concerns with coronavirus. So do you think that we are going to see that a little bit more often as we go through the second half of the season? Now that teams are starting to realize that they don't really have a whole lot to play for as far as conference championship or – I don't know what to make of the postseason at this point, but do you think we're going to start seeing that a little bit more as we get closer to the end of this regular season? I was privy to that news as we were recording the Friday episode, the weekend preview of Locked On Big Ten. I'm not as hard of a worker as Kevin McGuire, so there will not be a Thanksgiving episode on Thursday for Locked On Big Ten, but that just goes to show you the gusto that Kevin McGuire has putting out a show for you on your turkey day. So we have our next episode on Friday, but as we were recording, our good friend Andrew Wade, the host of Locked On Hawkeyes, was like, hey, whoa. Rashad Bateman just opted out of Minnesota. It's not surprising to me that it happened. He had initially opted out before the year when the Big Ten was going back and forth on if there would be a college football season even to be played. He opted back in, much to the delight of Minnesota fans and really Big Ten fans. And despite Minnesota struggling this year, Rashad Bateman has looked great. I mean, some of the routes that he runs, there is a certain level of higher game that he brings to that Minnesota route running ability and that offense than you would see from the likes of other Big Ten receivers. But with how much they have struggled, with the fact that now they are having a COVID-19 outbreak within their own program and have to pause activities, and hopefully they'll be back in week seven, but with limited weeks to go, and now you really don't have much of a hope to contend for that Big Ten West title, it doesn't surprise me. And I think Rashad alluded to that in the statement he just put out as well, pretty much saying, in discussions with my family and even with Coach Fleck, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me knowing that my sights are on the NFL to be around this situation right now. So I don't think it's him just saying whatever I'm done. I think it's a really uh, more of a thought process and truly like he put some thought into it to understand where he sits at this point of the year. I don't know if we'll see it across the big 10 conference because other than really Penn state and maybe Michigan, there's really not too many other examples of a year that has just been so porous that they would make that move. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but I don't think Penn state has guys exactly like a Rashad Bateman that might be having their eyes set on the next level at this point that might, opt out. I mean, I guess you could look along that defensive front, but I think it's not going to be commonplace across the Big Ten Conference, but it does make sense in my mind, at least, for Rashad Bateman to take that action. The, the one player at Penn State that I thought might have been in that category might have been Pat Fryermuth. Of course, his season is over now anyway because of his right. season-ending surgery, so a little bit of a different situation. I still think we've seen the last of Pat Fryermuth in a Penn State uniform. I hate to say it for Penn State fans, but I, I think he's going to be moving on to that next level, too, so um, you know, obviously wish him the best of luck. It, it has been a tough year 
for Penn State because all those key players that they had on this roster that just celebrated a Cotton Bowl almost a year ago. We're coming up on that year anniversary yeah. already. It's kind of weird. I, I, I keep realizing that I have not seen Penn State win a game in the calendar year of 2020 because that Cotton Bowl was played before New Year's. So mm-hmm. it's been a tough year in 2020 for so many reasons, especially for Penn State fans. But we'll see what the rest of the, the season has in store. Um, kind of looking ahead, uh, have we figured out exactly what's going to happen on Big Ten Champions Week? Uh, in addition to the Big Ten Championship game, of course, we're supposed to have those extra matchups. <laughs> Has there been any discussion about exactly how that's going to work yet? Uh, really not since the return to competition task force announced that that was happening when they brought back the Big Ten season in the middle part of September. We know we have the Big Ten title game and we know we have the likely two participants coming out of the East will be Ohio State and more than likely Northwestern coming out of the West. Now there's some talks, though. We had Wisconsin and Minnesota cancel their game for the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. There have been some ideas floated around the Big Ten community of trying to bring that game back for Big Ten Champions Week. They have played that matchup 113 straight times. It would be a real shame if that took it was taken from us for this 2020 football season. They might do something on the other side where you have Maryland and Michigan State kind of even it out for the Big Ten East versus the Big Ten West, and then you continue with Champions Week. But there really hasn't been much indication since the beginning of the year when we were alluded to the fact that they would have that Big Ten Champions Week where you'd have the title game and then two versus two, three versus three. But if you had already met in crossover matchups, cross-divisional matchups, you would not play again. We haven't really heard much for it. And I think they might, at this point, given how disrupted the Big Ten season has been, might be trying to use that week as a way to kind of have some flexibility on the back end. It wouldn't surprise me, although the league office in Rosemont, Illinois, has not been the most attuned to flexibility so far this Big Ten football season. So we'll see how that all plays out. But no, nothing really set yet except for the fact we know we'll have a Big Ten championship game that week. Well, we're, we're hoping we have a Big Ten championship game. Yeah, 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 knock on wood. Knock yeah, exactly. On wood, knock on wood. And I hope that is the case. And, uh, you know, obviously I would love to see game you know, t- schools be able to play as many games as they as they possibly feel that they can do. And if you get a chance to still have that rivalry game like Minnesota and Wisconsin, which is postponed for this upcoming weekend, you get a chance to th- get that on the field. I'm all for that. So if you have to adjust your, your game plan with that, final weekend that's all fine and dandy for me uh i'm, I'm just kind of curious if, if penn state still doesn't have a win by that point are they even going to be interested in playing that final game so i'm kind of curious if any team will actually back out of that kind of situation if things are not yeah. going very well I'm, i think that's a very astute point i don't know i mean if penn state for some weird reason does not get a win in the regular season or even just beats michigan state and they're one and seven and then it's like ugh, like what are we going to do we're going to go play who from the big 10 west i guess you would look at the likes of nebraska Maybe, but they already played, and then it's they like, played, how does that so maybe down? Illinois. I, I don't right. know. I don't know if that would really get the juices flowing for the people in State College to line up against the Illini in a game that really doesn't mean a whole lot. If you've already, in the case of Penn State, played your eight regular season games, and hopefully they are able to play all eight of those, is one game at the end of the year really going to make a difference? I'm not exactly sure. It's not exactly a bowl game where you can maybe build some momentum for the next year. So who knows? We haven't really had an indication from the league office yet exactly about the specifics of that weekend of December 19th, the Big Ten Champions Week, although I'm still in talks or trying to be in talks with people about printing the shirts because I think we're only going to have it once so I'm trying to get that going at least is this in addition to your order of uh, Michael Penix for a Heisman uh, t-shirts or you know club oh, merchandise you're putting together well <laughs> once you don't know what? Ben is the self-proclaimed president of the Michael Penix uh, for Heisman fan club and I, I'll say this 
you know, when you when you have that conversation, I believe it was Asher Lowe from uh, Lockdown Badgers. It was, was yeah. It was, it, early on, before the season even began, I we right. kind of just started talking about players that might break out this season. And then I got in my own feelings about Michael Penix Jr. I was like, you know what? Here's the Heisman campaign. We're starting it right now. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. I thought it was fun discussion. And then, of course, what happens in the first game of the season? Michael Penix, mm. quote, scores a game-winning t- uh, two-point conversion against uh, Penn State uh, to, to win that game in the overtime. So, Hey, I, I'm all on board with Indiana right now. I know they just had, had a real tough, gritty game, a gritty performance against Ohio State. Nobody's going to beat Ohio State, I don't think. So for Indiana to have that kind of a performance, I thought it was very encouraging and a testament to just the kind of job that Tom Allen is actually doing with this Indiana team. This is a good Indiana team. And I've, I've been more and more convinced of that as the season has gone on. I've, I've, I've moved on from that opening game. Uh, I'm just taking everything into assessment right now. And Indiana's pretty darn good. You think they got a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl game? I do. I really do. And I think that game against Ohio State this past Saturday proved that it was not a fluke and not that Ohio State is worse than we might have thought and they don't really have a chance of competing for the national title. I thought it showed how good of a football team Indiana has and how great of a product they have put out for this 2020 football season. You saw the defense that has been opportunistic all year. Yes, Justin Fields probably made some questionable decisions, but there has to be a defense on the field, 11 guys that put him in a position to make those questionable decisions. And Indiana has 15 takeaways so far in five games of Big Ten football that is tied at the top since the Big Ten came back in week eight of college football. That is what Indiana has been able to do defensively. And then you saw what that offense can be in that second half against Ohio State this past week. I give a lot of compliments and kudos to the Hoosiers for sticking around in that game because normally when you're losing by 21 at the half to Ohio State and then the Buckeyes come out on their first possession and score in the third quarter and make it a 35-7 to ball game, teams crumble. Not just Indiana, not just lesser teams, even the better teams of the Big Ten don't normally still have a shot at coming back against Ohio State. And IU outscored Ohio State 28-14 to in that second half. I think that showed their acumen. I think that showed that they are really in contention for being a top-10 team in the country, are right there on the cusp of being that top-10 team. And the committee, maybe putting them at 12, might think the same way, just maybe not thinking they're top-10. We could talk about what the committee did in the CFP and putting Georgia at 9, regardless, doesn't really matter. But for IU, I think they have a shot of being a New Year's 6 poll. I think they still are, in my mind, now I was going to say they're the second best team in the Big Ten. Now I'm still going to go with Northwestern. I think Northwestern is the second best team in the Big Ten. But I do think Indiana can run the table in their final three games, and it is tough. They have Maryland this week, who has won two straight games, coming off a two-week idle time due to COVID-19 increases in the Terps football program. They have Wisconsin next week that we hope for week seven. And then week eight, they finish off with a rivalry game against Purdue. So this is a tough closing stretch for Indiana. But I think there's a good chance they go 7-1, and one, and then they get to that Big Ten Champions Week, and maybe they're playing in Iowa maybe a Wisconsin, who knows, depending on how everything shakes out. But I still think Indiana has a shot of being 8-1 and one at the end of this Big Ten football year with its only loss being to Ohio State. And I think what Tom Allen is doing in Bloomington will continue on for years to come for that IU football program. I'm going to throw it out there right now. I think there is a chance that three Big Ten teams are playing in New Year's Six Bowl games, including the playoff. Ohio State, would, I would believe, would be in the playoff. And then I think Northwestern and Indiana being the other two – who would have predicted that at the beginning of the season? You, you say three teams from the Big Ten are going to play in New Year's Six Bowl games. Northwestern and Indiana aren't making your top cut right there. No, 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 absolutely not. And that just goes to show how crazy of a 2020 Big Ten football season it's been. And touching on Northwestern, their defense is phenomenal. Second in the country in opponents' points per play. Fifth in the country in opponents' yards per play. That secondary is ranked as the third best coverage unit by PFF. 
Northwestern's defense has lived up to that billing and they will continue to throughout the year. So I think depending on what happens in the rest of the college football landscape over these final three weeks before we get to that championship weekend in the middle of December, Northwestern has a great shot of being unbeaten, going into that Big Ten title game and having a chance against Ohio State and then still maybe a realistic shot of being in the discussion for the CFP playoff or possibly a New Year's Six game because I do think Northwestern, who has a very easy schedule to finish off the year, at least favorable for those Wildcats, has a shot of remaining undefeated and being in the conversation on the national landscape of what the fighting Reese Davises can do when we get to the postseason. I love the fighting Reese Davises and how that has taken on some legs there. It's it's been pretty fun, and you know, it has. It's been it's been enjoyable. So it's always one of those things that it just pops up along the way as things are going well for Northwestern. Northwestern, first of all, has a little bit of a media bias out there, for being honest. Uh, but I'm okay with it because yeah. I, I respect uh, the heck out of uh, Pat Fitzgerald and everything he's been doing with this program for as long as he's been there. And I think if there's any uh, comfort or maybe encouragement that a Penn State fan can take in what's happening with Northwestern is Northwestern played for the Big Ten Championship two years ago, had right. an abysmal 2019 season for a variety of reasons, and now look at where they are right now. So you can have a down year, come back and have some success next year. I'm not saying that Penn State's going to go undefeated next year. Don't mark my words there, but I, I'm just saying there are examples that you can have a down season and everything may be okay in the long run. So I've been trying to stress the positives as much as I can here, Ben. It's been tough this year on Locked on Nittany Lines. I'm trying to find the positivity and trying to find ways to encourage people moving forward. But maybe Northwestern is going to be a little bit of a lesson for what you can expect maybe going into 2021 when you get a chance to hit some reset buttons maybe, first of all. Absolutely. I think 2020, if it's been a tough year, there shouldn't be too much cause for concern just because based on how this college football season has played out. So there is hope still. Penn State still has a very talented roster. You looked at what, what happened with Northwestern last year in 2019. The thing that held them back was abysmal quarterback play. Peyton Ramsey has come in. He hasn't been great by any means, but he's been efficient. He's taken care of the football for the most part. That is what goes to show if you have some talent and you have the system worked out, if you just plug in one of those couple pieces to make things okay, you can be successful the following year. So I don't think Penn State's fans need to hit the panic button, although it obviously has not been a great 2020. There's still hope on the horizon for 2020. It hopefully will be more of a normal season and hopefully will be more of a normal off season as we get into spring and summer and all that good stuff, but we shall wait and see. But I don't think it's doomsday scenario just yet in state college. Well, it depends on who you ask, but not as far as I'm yeah. concerned. <laughs> Believe me, they're out there. Um, real quick, uh, because you did mention it earlier, the college football playoff rankings were released this week. I'm going to say it doesn't look good for Penn State. No, yeah, I don't think no. Penn State's going to crack the top 25 at any point. <laughs> no, so far. probably no. not. Uh, of course, Ohio State getting that number four spot in the initial rankings. I don't get too carried away with these weekly rankings. I don't know how you feel about them, but I, I've long said that the selection committee has one job. There's only one ranking that they'll put out that ultimately matters. That's the one that comes at the end of the season. All this right. is just for uh, discussion and debate. And hey, guilty as charged. That's what yeah. I'm doing right now. But uh, it's always it's interesting the first time they put out these rankings because we finally get a sense for what exactly they're thinking. Let me ask you this. Is BYU the 14th best team in the country or the, should they be higher? I know right here on the Lock On uh, podcast family, we're big BYU fans. <laughs> Let yeah. me hear it, Ben. What did the committee get right? What did they get wrong about BYU or anything else in general? I would love to hear what Jacob Hatch, the host of Locked On BYU, Locked On Cougars, has to say about this because I think they got it very, very wrong. And a lot of the precedent that they set for why other teams are a little bit higher 
seem to have worked against BYU for why those teams are ranked higher than the Cougars. And for me, yes, the schedule has not been great. But if you're watching these games, and Gary Barta, who is the AD of Iowa and the head of the College Football Playoff Committee, said we are watching these games, and what now what we have to evaluate are the games that we have seen, you have to give BYU some credit there by what you have seen. Yes, their best win is over a Boise State team that had their third-string quarterback in, but they have been dominant in pretty much every game they have played. The numbers look fantastic. You see how potent that offense can be. And if I'm BYU, if I'm their head coach, Kalani Sataki, if I'm quarterback Zach Wilson wearing the anybody, any place, anywhere, like you saw, I think BYU also, by the way, Kevin, just real quick, got vindicated. Mm-hmm for the whole thing about not being able to play with Washington this upcoming week, because we saw as soon as there was one more postponement in the PAC 12, the league office quickly moved Utah into Washington. And that was a guarantee that BYU wanted not to happen. That sure came to fruition. So I think BYU is off the hook there. I think they should be in the top 10. I don't think they should be in the top four by any means. Could they be eight? Could they be seven? Absolutely. I think BYU got really uh, a tough draw on this first CFP rankings from the committee. I don't know how Georgia, if you're watching these games, is at number nine, five and two. That defense that was supposed to be their calling card has not looked great. Unless you're in love with JT Daniels and him having a good performance this past week. I don't really know what you love in Georgia. Uh, I think Northwestern in the top 10 is good. I was a little bit worried they might be on the outside looking in, but I think they're in a prime position now, depending on what happens. And then talking about that top four, like you mentioned, to have Notre Dame, Clemson, and then Ohio State, Alabama obviously being one, I think could be used as bulletin board material for Ryan Day and Ohio State. But outside of that, I don't really think it's that big of a deal because, of course, Clemson and Notre Dame seem to be destined on a path to play each other in the ACC championship game. And the Irish have a very tough game against North Carolina this weekend as well. I think they'll take care of themselves. I think Ohio State is in a good position as well to move up in those CFP rankings by the time all is said and done. Yeah, I've, I've always said that as long as Ohio State wins all their games, they're going to be in. I don't see any scenario in play where an undefeated Ohio State is going to be left out of a four-team college football playoff uh, unless something really bizarre happens. Uh, you know, right. if Ohio State only gets a chance to play five or six games, I, I wonder if that would be something to discuss. But as far as I'm concerned, what Ohio State has done on the field, that's really all that matters. And they went into the season expected to be one of those national championship contenders. There's really no reason to see anything otherwise at this point. So. As long as Ohio State takes care of business, hey, if Northwestern takes care of their business, they're going to be in pretty good shape too. So, uh, hey, just win your games, see what happens at the end of the year and see what this committee's thinking. Uh, You know, it changes on a weekly basis. But, yeah, as far as BYU is concerned, I I don't know what to say. I mean, people will say, well, go out and play somebody. Well, they're trying to. (laughs) They're playing whoever they can. I mean, these power conferences locked them out basically with this conference-only schedule or very minimal non-conference scheduling depending on the conference. So, you know, BYU scheduled whoever they could as quickly as they could. I mean, they filled up a a whole schedule basically when everybody else uh, locked them out. So I, I say kudos to BYU. Go out and dominate the way that they have been. You know, don't worry about what these rankings are saying right now. Uh, you know, make your case on the field. Uh, maybe some things will help out along the way. But yeah, this BYU team, they're pretty impressive. Now, again, yeah. I'm not saying they should be in the top four, but they should absolutely be in the top ten. If you want to put them right behind Cincinnati, that's fine with me. Put Cincinnati and BYU hand-in-hand uh, in, hand in those rankings. That's what the committee tends to do sometimes with these schools. Uh, it's a shame. But, uh, hey, I'm, I'm all for BYU making a, a, some noise the rest of the way. And, uh, hey, if anyone comes in the way, I want to see them push them out of the way. I don't think that's going to happen. Absolutely. A big blow, by the way, for BYU and possible hopes of playing Cincinnati next weekend, December 5th, as Cincinnati had to cancel or postpone their game against Temple for this upcoming weekend due to COVID-19 issues with both programs. 
most likely meaning Cincinnati cannot be, will not be available to play that December 5th weekend. Another shot to BYU. BYU's done what they had to do. Again, they're not a group of five team that even comes from a conference. They're an independent. So they right. have really nothing going for them in terms of scheduling and bargaining power. So kudos to BYU. I'm glad that the Big Ten has five teams in the CFP poll. I think that Ohio State at four is fine. Northwestern at eight. Indiana at 12, they also still have an ability to jump up there. Wisconsin at 16. And then Iowa, cracking the top 25 at 24th in the country, despite being 3-2, and two, but three straight wins for the Hawkeyes. They're looking pretty good and probably taking it out on Nebraska coming up tomorrow on Black Friday. So all is good in the Big Ten world, at least, I think. Yeah, Except for I, State, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Iowa coming off the strength of a 20-point victory in Happy Valley last weekend. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to remind me about that one. but <laughs> that, That's it. I'm done. I won't say anymore. Ben, I'm going to let you go in just a minute. But first of all, like I said, this podcast is dropping on Thanksgiving. So I'm wondering, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? I got to know. Oh, favorite overall is dessert and it's pecan pie. That is by far my favorite thing in the world. I really only have it during the holiday season, right around Thanksgiving, probably to that stretch to Christmas. And then I cut it out for the rest of the year just because it is so decadent and maybe some of that gooey filling, not the greatest for you, but pecan pie by far. And then my mother makes this thing. It's a carrot souffle. It's almost like a bunt cake, but it's like made out of carrots and it has a little sweetness to it. So it's not exactly a dessert. We have it as a side with our Thanksgiving dinner, but it is incredible. So those two things and her stuffing. My mom's a really good cook and Thanksgiving dinner at the family, at the Stevens family house is a big one. So really, I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. So everything. And I'm not, I'm not here for these turkey debates. Turkey is good. Have somebody that can baste and do it well and you'll be fine. How do you guys do the turkey? Do you, do you put it in the oven, do like a traditional yeah. style? Or like, do you, oh, do, you do we the got deep about frying? Eight-hour brining and basting process that is run by my father, none other than Rick Stevens. He said a joke that I hope is not too inappropriate, Kevin, for That's the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. But when I was 14 years old, I was helping him out for one of the first times. And he looked at me and he goes, hey, you're a great master baser. And I cracked up. I thought it was one of the funnier <laughs> things I'd ever heard in my entire life. So I hope that wasn't too raunchy for the Locked On Nittany Lions show. But that is what my father brings, both his comedy and his great turkey cooking abilities. Well, I think on that Big Ten, Ben, I think we're going to close up shop for today. I think we'll wrap this up. <laughs> it, it, ben, it is a, always a pleasure talking to you. I know we've done it uh, so many times during the course of the season. I'm happy that we finally were able to bring you on my end of the podcasting world. Uh, but let everybody know what's going on with Locked On Big Ten. Uh, of course, you're also the co-host of the Friday edition of Locked On College Football. Got to put that out there as well. Uh, so let remind everybody how they can follow you, anything you got going on, anything you want to plug. Now is the floor for you. First for Locked On Big Ten, unlike Kevin, as I said, because he is a hardworking man, I am going to be lazy and enjoy my turkey. No Thanksgiving Thursday show, but back on Friday, we have two great members of the Locked On Big Ten podcast community. In addition to Kevin, we have Andrew Wade of Locked On Hawkeyes, Asher Lowe of Locked On Badgers. We have a full weekend six preview with picks, previews against the spread, over under totals, all that good stuff coming. And at me, Ben Scott Stevens on Twitter, diving into the Big Ten, Ben, gnome whatever you want to call it the the brand i've built for myself so we are just having a lot of fun with these final three weeks of big 10 football now that big 10 basketball is back so much big 10 content and then of course locked on college football as well you hear kevin every thursday you can hear me and patrick Kahn every friday previewing the weekend of college football so a lot of fun stuff we're in a great congruence right now kevin of football and basketball it's a very fun time in collegiate sports it, it is unless you're a penn state fan i'm just throwing yeah, that sorry out about there. that yeah 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 <laughs> Ben, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Hope you are well. Hope you guys all stay safe. And uh, hey, have a great holiday. You deserve a day off. So I feel like you can get back to the grind on Friday, okay? That we will. And same to you, Kevin. Happy Thanksgiving. 
All right, my sincere thanks to Ben Stevens. It has been an absolute joy to work with him on the Locked On Podcast Network with work on Locked On Big Ten, and I was very happy to finally bring him over onto Locked On Nittany Lions. I've been wanting to bring him on for quite some time, just haven't been able to find a good time to do so. So I was very happy that he was able to set aside some time during the Thanksgiving week. I know things are busy, people are traveling, uh, things are going on. So I was very appreciative of his time and uh, the dedication to what he's doing right now because he, this is definitely somebody you want to be following if you're looking for some fun, insightful Big Ten commentary. Uh, you'll definitely be entertained. Of course, you'll also be informed by following everything that he's doing. So again, we will have all that links and stuff in the show notes for today's episode. So if you want to follow him on, on Twitter, if you want to check out the Locked on Big Ten podcast, we will have those links for you in the show notes on whatever podcasting app you are having. And a sincere thank you to listening, supporting this podcast with your subscriptions and your feedback. It is greatly appreciated on this Thanksgiving. I do want to say I genuinely thank you guys for all the support you have given this podcast. I know this has been a tough year uh, for so many reasons, and it's been a tough year as a Penn State football fan, but we're going to continue to try and bring you some uplifting and fun conversation during what is certainly a very difficult season for Penn State. So we'll try to keep it lighthearted. We'll try to keep it going for you guys. We want to have something that you guys will still look forward to, win or lose. And let's be honest, there have been way too many losses this season. So let's uh, just continue on and finish this season on a strong note. I could not be doing this without you guys. So I genuinely appreciate you guys. And thank you for all the support you've given this podcast moving forward. So have a great Thanksgiving. Make sure you are subscribed so you never miss a single episode. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. All that good stuff. And reach out to us on our social media platforms, Locked On Nittany on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash Kevin McGuire. And until next time, everybody, have an extra side of mashed potatoes and gravy, some stuffing, whatever it is that is your favorite Thanksgiving dish or side dish. Make sure you have plenty of it today because this is your day to indulge. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow with a final look at head of this weekend's game between Penn State and Michigan. And we will also run through everything else happening in the Big Ten and the Top 25 and anything else going on in our college football Friday rundown. It's going to be fun to get back into that. So thank you so much. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Bye.